Hello and welcome to Off the Record episode 2.11. I'm here this week. Well, kind of. I've been having a tough time with quality control. I do this podcast because I like meeting other people and I like putting out something that's really, really good into the world. But that's not always easy. And to be totally honest, uh, I just haven't been happy with some of the interviews I've gotten lately. And it's tough when you're trying to tape, you know, one to three interviews a week because I'm also doing interviews for the other podcasts that I'm working on launching. And some of them just don't come out good and I don't want to bore you with them. So with that, the two interviews I taped last week, I'm just not happy with. Um, So I'm going to air one that... I am happy with. Um, this is an interview with my friend Tyler Susi of the band Great Big Pileys. The interesting thing about Tyler is he's also the studio drummer at my studio, and he's really, really good at that. So we have a discussion about the logistics of what it actually means to be a great studio drummer, as opposed to just someone who's aspirationally that Tyler drums on tons of different records, and he's a first call for me. Because I know he makes the people I work with happy. I originally did this conversation on my old podcast, Jesse Cannon Talks To. This was taped about 10 months or so ago. Maybe even close to a year. Um, I think it's all still very relevant. So, check it out. So, I'm here today with Tyler Susie. He, You know him because he's in a band called The Great Big Pile of Leaves. I know him as the guy I've been calling for almost a decade when a drummer band is missing a drummer, or a band's drummer sucks, or they have terrible ideas for drums and they've decided <laughs> to hire a drummer. He's been the person I've called since before he ascended to glory in his awesome band. I met him about a decade ago when he was in another band called A Farewell to Arms, which it was such a good band name, and <laughs> especially for that time, is like none of the bands were getting all literary. Yeah. And back then, you know, it was Trail, just Trailblazers. Yeah, it was just street names. <laughs> and now it's funny because you guys have a different, really good band name, but that isn't like the trendy thing to do. And you guys have had it for so long. You guys have been a band for seven years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, the, as I just said. Uh, Handful of EPs and two LPs working on LP three right now. Yeah, uh, their latest LP is on Top Shelf Records. It's a awesome, really good start to finish listen. I, I really have to say this between the songwriting and the production, it really. As an old band, I get really frustrated with listening to records, and it's one of the few records that has enough depth to keep your interest through the whole thing. So if you haven't listened to them and you're just listening to this because for some reason you like listening to me talk in my weird voice and you haven't checked out their band <laughs> yet, I highly recommend you go check out um, their latest release on Top Shelf, which remind me of the album name since I'm terrible with that stuff. Uh, you're always on my mind. That's right. But it's not always on your mind. It's true. It's true. It's because song names and album names, I'm the worst I'm, at. Yeah, I'm the same exact way. 
it's it's just, it's just amazing. Like song one, I know song one on every record, but uh, yeah, I could I could never tell you any song name of any record that I love. Yeah, and it, it was even worse is getting done with a record and then getting that record back. I'm like, are you kidding me? You guys named these these things? <laughs> like this song was way better when this song was called Bag of Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that's a good band. But you also, name. guys also have good song names. Like I think it's like hilarious. It's like Snack Attack because that's totally you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's very. Uh, it's all very fitting. A lot of that I I'll have to contribute to Pete. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It goes. It goes with our our vibe. I I, I think that's good. Like you know, there's a lot of things like bands just kind of do things. You guys get your personality out in so many right. ways in right, the band. Right. And uh, I think it, it works well. But so, before we get to your band, because we're going to talk about a lot of other things. Um, so one of the first things that came to mind when we were talking about doing an interview together, since we've known each other for so long, is I can remember meeting you when you're young. We're doing this um, farewell arms record, and the way it happened is you guys recorded it at one place, and then I was coming in to mix it and do some overdubs with you guys. Right. And you were like a, you know, you were a teenager, right? Yeah. I was maybe 18, 17. Yeah. That's yeah. It. so. You were highly influenced by Travis Barker. <laughs> and one of my things is always that Travis Barker is like the worst influence yeah. while yeah. being the best drummer. <laughs> like, you know, there's no doubt that no one could solo over a song like him. But the worst thing ever is to his influence on other drummers has just been toxic. To yeah, things. Yeah. In a, yeah in so how would you avoid that? Uh, well, I was always a fan of his, uh, his chops and certain things that he did. Uh, I wasn't specifically a huge fan of him as a, uh, like a writer, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, that, that's always been one of the most important things to me is having the drum part really be for the song. While, like, I want it to be interesting, and I've always been the drummer that watches drummers when you go to a show, like, I'm doing that. I listen to a record, I'm paying attention to the drums. Um, so that's, that's always been really important to me and having kids come up to me at shows and kind of say the same thing that I used to say to drummers when I was a kid going to shows, uh, has been really awesome. But yeah, I think, I think that was my biggest thing is I was always a fan of what he could do, but not necessarily what he did for the songs, what he could do as a drummer. It's just not so, his composition. As yeah. Much. Yeah. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of finding that middle ground for me where, um, there's there's tons of drummers like they're yeah where the parts just spoke to me a lot more with the music so so i'm going to diverge off that for a second because you touched on something i wanted to touch on later your so knee. <laughs> yes touching um, your knee right now <laughs> um you have and one of the reasons among other things i hire you as a studio drummer is you have better technique than nearly anybody who comes into the studio. And, you know, I've been very lucky. I've gotten to record some of my favorite drummers from the top drummers in the world. And you still hit better. You do all the things right. You hit in the center. You have good form. You have good technique. So you're totally lot about watching drummers. That's where a lot of that came from. Not necessarily just woodshedding and reading 
books or a good drum teacher that came from observation yeah for sure I think that's how I learned most of what I do I uh, I, I I went to like I did music in school and so, so when I, you say I, you did music in school elaborate a little more yeah jazz band pep band marching band concert band uh, really anything I could do um, and so like I'd, I had some good music teachers growing up and uh, I had this one drum teacher my first two years of high school his name was Sean Halpin and he was like probably still one of my favorite drummers to this day but did he, you play with anybody anybody would know or you I just don't think so he was this he was maybe like 25 when he when he came to our high school and uh so he he, and he this, seemed very old back then right yeah for sure <laughs> I was like this, this grown ass man <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah now I see a 25 year old and I'm like yeah. you're a little kid yeah um, but yeah, yeah, just like the stuff he brought to the table, he was very like theatrical with our concert band and the shows and like turning lights off and using flashlights in the crowd and having like kids run up and down the aisles and stuff. Mm. But as a drummer, he was just still my, like still this day, my favorite drummer. Uh, his foot independence is the most insane I've seen with anybody. He's like a Latin mm. jazz drummer. So, so explain foot independence a little, because not everybody's going to be like a drum nerd like you Right, are. right. Uh, just having the disconnect between your brain and your body parts, really. Like, your foot can play a, like, clave rhythm. So, like, the like, opposite of ACDC, I guess. Right, right, how I'd yeah, explain yeah. it is. Like, that ACDC is always just, like, the foot is with the hi-hat. Right. He can play his foot on the weirdest odd beats. Right, right. Um... Yeah, yeah, just playing like different, uh, different meters, I guess, with different body parts, and you can do five four with your foot while doing something totally different with your arms and your other foot. So, is there anything that sticks out of like you going to show and having like an epiphany when you watch somebody do something that got oh, you? Yeah. So, so, so <laughs> examples. Uh, I don't know specific examples, but there have been so many records where I hear something being done on the drums, mm-hmm. and I would never understand how it was being played just listening to it. And then I would see someone do it. I'm like, that is the easiest thing in the world. It's always yeah. It's never hard. Yeah, it never. It's it never insane. is. It, it, it is funny still to be this day at like you know thirty nearly thirty seven years old that yeah. like I go with, and I'm like how does he do that part and then I go and I'm like you're an idiot how did you not figure this out yeah and then once I figured out I overused it for like yeah. well, two records <laughs> well isn't that the funny thing too is that when we get these epiphanies and these tools then that's kind of the thing of that then we go too far with them and it's almost like yeah. you need to. <laughs> Have some time with it, scale back, get a little bored with it, then know when to use it tastefully. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of the same thing when you first discover hot sauce. Right, right. <laughs> You're like, right. let me put sriracha by the gallon on everything, and then you learn, <laughs> you know, just a little of this on your pizza is just excellent. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I, yeah, I guess that's part of, like, growing up and learning things. Because yeah. I, I feel yeah. like, I feel like I've gotten to this point now where, like, I know how to do most of those things, and so I can choose when to use those tools. It was definitely like, I know how to do this now, and I'm going to add it everywhere I can. Yeah, you have a lot, even just re-listening to your latest record today, you have a lot of tricks in your book. And it's like, one of those things I do appreciate is that, like, so we just did, like, a record, and there was a lot of simpler things. But then yeah. I can remember years ago, we did kind of this, like, glass jawed voice, right? That the band I don't think ever even finished. <laughs> um, and there were so many tricks that you had that I was less like, man... But you, you got you're like Santa Claus with like a whole thing of Christmas kids lists, <laughs> just toys bonking around in there. So, 
is it all mental notation or is it just do, 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 do you keep track of, I know I sometimes see you like videotape on Instagram yourself playing like yeah. is there anything you, you're particularly doing to refine that um I don't know I think I think when it comes to composition I just at least for like leave stuff or like if I have a session where I have so much lead time and like I can really dive into the songs I really just like I try to go as far as like rhythms go I try to go with my first instincts and like whatever sounds most natural and I've, I've gone back to demos even on some leave stuff and I've been like oh I wish I kind of kept that original rhythm I was doing it's so you know what's funny is like that really is a thing of like your first instinct and I've been really getting this like as I've been writing this book on creativity is that like so much of me more believes in that it's about the emotional reaction you have to something and learning to trust that right but then why do we slave over things? Right, right, right. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's the, the fartest in us that needs to be, like, everything needs to be refined and everything needs to be... Yeah. It's, I mean, that's how music is. That's how all art is, though. It's never really done. Yeah. Like, even, like you finish a record and there's so much I wish we had done or I wish I had done. And then I'll change stuff live or I'll, like, add in stuff live to make it fun. And Like, we'll add vocal harmonies live that aren't on the record. I do notice like, that. Like, stuff like that happens a lot. So I think I think it's, like, between that window of where you, you get that initial, like, emotional reaction, that's kind of where you first come up with your, your part. And then you have that window from then until you record. And I think that's really the time allotted to throw in your little bag of tricks or like mm. come with those things but yeah I'll obsess over my drum part until we get to the studio and like make so, sure so, the cells so, are exactly where I want them and so that's an interesting distinction because like one of the things I tell bands all the time is the time before they get in the studio yeah before they ever even get to me is the most important time that the time they spend with me is the second most important time so you're pretty much like you're not going to write in the studio when you're doing a, a, a Grape and Pile of Leaves record. No, yeah. I try to be like... I try to go in there and have the most concise plan that I can. And um, I like to... This is going to sound dumb, but at, at least for like stuff where I, I come in with everything kind of like hyper-focused of where I want it, I try to like... There's certain things I try to accomplish through every song and like kind of tell a story on the drums as far as like yeah. where I use my fills how I alter that fill further on in the song how that affects the chorus later and you you kind of want to make that last chorus a little bigger a little different than the rest of the choruses so the, things like that you know like just working on the dynamic of the song and making things move the way they should so I think that is the interesting thing so we talk about how like a lot of the time the first instinct is good but then having that reflection to make those complexities is also though kind of necessary and that's like without those details you have it it's like that learning to balance that yeah yeah for sure and I don't I don't think I mean there's plenty of records where the drums are just the most simple thing and like I, I try to do that I'll try to step back and do that on a song purposely like I I don't want every song to kind of have the same feel or vibe and so I think it's awesome if I do a song where it's just the same beat the entire time, like barely any fills, barely anything like that. So that's I've kind of become more interested in that as I've gotten a little older. But I also, 
there's so many bands that I'll listen to their like fifth or sixth record and I just feel like the drummers become like uninspired. Yeah. And I don't I ever feel like want I've been that a lot. Like, I feel like the drummer and the singer are the people who get really uninspired as you go. I think as a singer, we also get sick of people's voices after a while. Right. <laughs> like, you know, I, just, I always say it. Like, I, if Tom York made his best record now, I'm just like, dude, shut up. I don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm so done hearing yeah. you whine. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes you listen to, like, older records, it's almost like they stop listening to other music. Like, they're not inspired anymore yeah. by other musicians. But or, also, or they got stuck in doing what they think people want for them. Or yeah. I've also just, known musicians that are, like, they they did it on purpose because they know they're getting older and these songs are harder to play live, so they don't push it. Yes, that's, that's one of the <laughs> Which is another things. thing I don't really want to do. Yeah, because you guys are, a lot of the time, touring with some more experienced bands, so you're right, seeing right. some of that, and that's, yeah. that's pretty disheartening. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, like, you know, a lot, I mean, a lot of those bands will be, like, people I grew up with are, like, you know, 36 years old, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, i got to think this, about the knees. This part, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to think about the knees or that I can't hit that note anymore. Right. So, um, so I, but I, I want to, one of the things I think it's interesting when you're talking about simple and all that stuff is so, like, and then how you're totally prepared for a, a Leaves record, but then what's funny is, is I call you in. Yeah. And I've hopefully gotten you demos, but one of the things I really appreciate about you is that your improvisation can be phenomenal when it's not something you know. So we did this record that like, I'm pretty psyched on of my catalog that didn't really go anywhere from a band called Terra 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 right. uh, called The Space We Created, or that might be the other one. No, that's the one I did. Okay, yeah. great. I'm glad I remember that right. <laughs> um, and... Because there weren't demos of some of the songs, right. you had to just go. In fact, I think I had to call was, you three days before. Yeah, it was a couple days before. I think they fired the drummer. Right? Yeah, so yeah. They had the label hired us a drummer. Yeah. And I had to fire the drummer because he was not a studio drummer. I said, don't worry, I'm going to save the day. Yeah. I got the guy. <laughs> you came down and you, you just. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes, this record, but yeah. you. Where's Drum Trip? But so then. What I think is funny is, so then, is there a headspace, like, obviously we do things to, like, let the audience know, it's like, you know, like, I'll run you for three to five passes through the song as you get to know the song, or maybe we'll just even do a section of the song and you'll just improvise and then we'll eventually say, this is the best of that, and right. together, that stuff, but... What's interesting to me is that, so then, but you would never allow that on your own band's thing, yet I still also, you know, there's something like with the freshness of when you come in and do that that I really like. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's, like, a best of both worlds thing, but, like, <laughs> I also get it, like, because I hate producing bands. Right. Where the drummer comes in and wants to experiment. Unprepared, yeah. Well, that's another thing. It's like, at least, yeah, for my band, I feel like, there's a lot of pressure as far as like, you know, you're working on a budget, you're in the studio for a certain amount of time, you want to get it mixed, mastered, and then you start working on everything else that comes along with it. So, I've always... You just need time to play with pedals, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I've, I've always like... I've always pushed for like getting my drum tracks done as soon as possible and like... And that's one of the... My favorite thing about being in the studio is that time after everything's tracked 
where you can really like you hear the song for the first time and you like hear what else you can do to it and like so yeah there's a lot of percussion yeah. on the last uh, grip it's probably yeah version. yeah and that's my intention like i want to get to that i want to get the band to that point so we can really focus in on like should we be doing more vocal harmonies here like what what do these other parts so, need so to that's really... an interesting thing so you're active in the overdub process too with the band which is not very drummerly of you right right i mean that and i think a lot of that comes from like when pete and i were recording by ourselves it was it was he and i coming up with all these ideas like you know where, so where yeah, to clarify for people who don't know yeah great big pile of leaves started with just you guys yeah just recording yeah on your own yeah we did the first two EPs by ourselves, and then uh, we recorded the first full length by ourselves. And Tucker joined the band, probably like halfway through writing that record. But uh, yeah, it was one of those things where like we had so much time, which could be a bad thing too. I mean, you can obsess over something until you just kill it. But it's like those those special moments where you hear something, you're like, oh my god, we need to add this, and like mm-hmm. you know that 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 makes a lot of records for me. And there's a lot of records where you can tell they had, like, five days in the studio and, like, you know, there's no time to really add much of that stuff over it. And, you know, it can change the dynamic of the song, can change the emotional reaction of the song. Uh, So that's always, that's kind of why I've always felt the need to be super prepared to go in and try to kill, like, 12 songs in a day, a day and a half if I can. Like, I'll be be dead by the end of the day, but I want to, like, I want to you know just get through it and uh so yeah that's always been important to me let the band be creative as a whole towards the end so i guess that's the thing is that since you guys have the ability to do that before you also have the ability to record yourselves and thoroughly demo before you want to do that when it's your own thing but i think it's great that you're able to do that so one of the other things that i I, there was a, a particular session so it was very funny it's like when i talk about I've gotten to record some of my favorite drummers. I remember there was a certain session and I was like really kind of pushing for you to do it. And then the band's like, you know what? We want this name guy. And he's an amazing drummer. But he was such a fucking asshole. And every time <laughs> we went to change a part, we'd be like, you know, that fill, that two bar fill you did there is a little much. Can we do one bar fill? And he'd fight the band for 30 minutes. Right. And I just kind of went like, one of the things I love about working with you is when the person whose creative vision is in the project and the person whose name's going to be all big right. is there and they say they don't like a fill, you go play them three more. Right, right. There's no argument. Right. You go, you see if you can improve it, you go and do it. Um, how does that come across in your creative process compared to Great Blue Pile of Leaves? It's the same thing. Are you guys very much like feeding off each other in that way or is that just something you kind of learned to do because you knew you were going to be working on other people because we should also say you very consciously and I am not the only person you do studio work for um, you very consciously went into drumming for other people as another thing as well right right about almost 10 years ago right yeah yeah I mean I yeah I definitely have a different mentality for both and I keep them very separate in my brain um, as, as far as like leave stuff, if it's something I really love and like, like I said, I go over these parts so much in my head and I just like, I obsess over these parts until we go mm-hmm. in the studio. So if it's something that I'm like, if, if I, I get really attached to the leaves parts, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every little thing I'm doing has like, there's 
such a great reason for them to be there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so if, if, if I love the part, I'll like fight to the death to get it in there. But, uh, there's definitely been times where Pete's come to me and he's been like, Oh, I'm thinking this and this instead of this. And sometimes like that'll be fine and I'll change something or like he'll end up loving the original idea once we hear it like full band. Cause we did a, the way we did the last record was he would email me like acoustic demos and then I would record the live drums over him. And mm. you know, sometimes it's hard to grasp what that sounds like full band with the drums. Cause yes. sometimes the drums will seem more aggressive over an acoustic demo. Yeah. I, I would actually have a really hard time hearing right. that. Right. So like he, he and I will push each other in that way a bit. And I mean, when I, when I get the demos, I kind of hear the song a certain way. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'll write my drums to that. Like, the way I hear it, not specifically the way it is. So are you doing the same process on this new record? Uh, I think so. The, the new record, he and I kind of got in a room and wrote a, wrote a lot of stuff together. So I think, like, as far as the dynamics and the sound of the songs, it's probably a little easier to tell right off the bat. But I'm sure as far as, like, us demoing, it's going to be more acoustic and vocal demos. Um, but yeah, I've always tried to... Uh, once, once I get in the studio for, like, a job... I, like, it's the same thing. Like, I try to remove my, like, passion for my part. You know what I mean? Like, I still want to, I'm still want to, I want to be proud of what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm not just going to, like, fart on a snare drum. Yeah, I think that's but, important. And we, we, we had a session at one time, like, where it was, like, the band definitely had demoized. They had written parts in GarageBand. And right. you're, like, they wanted just basically that. And you're just kind of, like, ugh. And, you know, I'm yeah. frustrated. And so I, I think that's like one of the other things that I guess like, you know, I want people to come away from this who deal with like if they ever have to hire a session musician is like that. One of the things I think you and I have really learned is that it's like, I like to just let you roll cause at first yeah, and then try to beat the parts the band have had yeah. and see what we can come up with somebody's new fresh perspective. Yeah. And I actually like, you know, like I, you know, so on this particular record, I even got it so that they made stuff without their drum mixes for you without their drums. Cause like, I almost want you untainted. Right. Right. It's like, great. We have these ideas. We've worked on these ideas. There's a drummer there already. And then if you're not doing as good as what they have, then you can easily play that. And yeah. you learn that stuff in 10 seconds. Yeah. We just pull it back to where it was. Um, but I think so many people neglect how much of a creative stifle that well poisoning is of just like, here's my idea for drums, you should do this, as opposed to letting somebody come in totally unbiased. It's kind of the same thing of like when a band has string players come in. Right. And it's like, cool, you guys wrote the root notes for your <laughs> chords on the strings and you want them to play that. That's lovely. And at one point they do a climb. And it's like, you know what you should do? You should say, hey, here's the part and see what the string players come up with. Maybe say this and let them do it. I yeah. think that's one of the big things with string, with any studio musicians. you got to let them. Yeah, you're hiring someone to come in and do a job. and like, Well, who's an expert, too. Yeah, yeah. Give, get the best out of them that you can. And then if it's not, if it's really not what you want, like that person can easily do it, what you're imagining. And I think that's the funny thing, too, is, is like, this even gets more to that, that juggle of, like, you know, it really is demoitis sometimes that you get so used to what you have. Yeah. And on that particular record, the band had had these demos, some of them for five years or something yeah, insane yeah. like that. 
So it's it's impossible. And you can't even fault them for being used to the way some of the stuff sounds when it hits that point. But I even have a thing of like when bands, and it's funny because it seems really irresponsible for me as a producer because they're like, oh, did you listen to demos? I'm like, yeah, for one day, three times <laughs> each. And I binge on notes. I sit in a room. I lock myself so I can't even be distracted. I turn off the internet. I write every thought I have, and I never listen to them again because I don't want to get used to the way the demos sound because oh, I yeah. want to have nothing but fresh emotional reactions, but I want to catch things in advance that I get inspired by or things that I hear are mistakes and make sure we fix them. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, especially in your seat as a producer, that's the most important thing. So what ideally with that... Yeah. So that's what works for me. What ideally would work for you? Like, so let's say a band hears this and they're like, man, I really want Tyler to play drums on my record, next record. Yeah. What would you want them to do for you? Uh, I mean, the best thing for me is I love getting demos ahead of time with vocals. With vocals. Yeah. And so, it, but, it depends. But the drums they wrote, the drums they didn't write, uh, a separate, no, one no, separate no, mix, yeah. a click track mix. What would you like specifically love for them to send? No drums, uh, just guitar, vocal. Uh, and you know, genre to genre it depends, but like I've gotten demos with no vocals before. I'm like, is this a chorus again? Yeah, like, I, 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 I can't even contribute to a song without vocals. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to tell where they're going depending on the guitar part. You know, to so, me, that's not even a song. It's like that's a cool. That it's lovely. There's a skeleton here. Right, right. But this thing hasn't been brought to life yet. Right, right. So yeah, if I if I can get that stuff, uh, but then also like that terror, terror, terror record we did. Where it's like I came in and like played with the band in the room, and yep. we kind of like we kind of worked the songs out that way. Uh, I think that came out great in that record. Like, I forgot that yeah, we would jam some of the songs on like we would pick up the snare drum. Yeah, we put down a snare drum with a shitty head. Yeah, and then we would put the good snare on and then record it. Once you learn it, we would do that with each song. I yeah, totally yeah. forgot about that. And I I like that process because it was nice to like connect with the band a little bit. And that was one of the situations where I don't think I heard really anything before I went in there. Well, we intentionally even didn't want you to hear anything because yeah. the drums were so bad from that right. drummer. I didn't want... I, look, they kept being like, well, why don't you play him this? And then he'll get that. I'm like, I don't want him to even hear how bad those drums were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and I mean, that that guitar writing and the songwriting for that band lent a lot of space for me to oh, do yeah. stuff. Like, no, then I, I, I'm super proud of what goes on on the drums on yeah. that record that you did. Yeah. When the guitars have a good rhythm, that's a great bass for me to start off on, and I, I like to match up with the guitar as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So even with fills or different rhythms or anything, you know, I try to I try to vibe off of that. Um, so, yeah, that that was probably one of the... So, so, so how much time would... Do you usually think you need though before something like that? Before, like, like you know, on. like ideally, if somebody's trying to hire you, what would yeah. you like to see see a timeline like? Uh, I don't know. I'm honestly pretty comfortable with both. I mean, it's definitely way more stressful for me, even mm-hmm. if I don't show it, just to like go in. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll stress out for a few days, and like even when I'm in there, like I'm really hard on myself when I'm in the studio. Yeah, which um, is part of what makes you good. Yeah. <laughs> and angry. Um, <laughs> I just yell out swears the entire time. But um yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if I'm really ever not stressed out about it, but I try to What we do <laughs> is a little stressful. I mean, you know, yeah, I love you it, if you care, yeah, I yeah. mean, if you care, you're going to curse and kick things yeah, every yeah. once in a while. No, I like I like the challenge of it. And like you said, like going in and 
improving stuff is like I'm exercising a totally different part of my brain when I come in and do that, and that's really that's challenging to me. And I think it, I think being able to do that and having the opportunity to do it has helped me, you know, grow as a drummer or a musician or anything. Even just being used to different situations in the studio, you know, like like the demoitis thing, like learning, yeah. learning to really deal with that, and like I I think it's great when you and I have this unspoken bond in the studio where you trust me, I trust you. And as far as getting the band to change their ideas, I know that's your job, not my job. Yeah. And so like when we're on the same page, you talk to them and try to get them to open up a little bit more. And yeah, just, I can just sit there and <laughs> not <laughs> and have take, to be the person who uh, takes the brunt of yeah, uh, right, right. The, the defendi- de- defending your idea. <laughs> um, I, I get to be the objective third party. I think that is a producer's job is to be the object, uh, the objective third party and try right. to say, right. and at the end of the day, if they say no, then, Oh yeah. And I, you know, even as the objective third party, I'm not the boss. Like right. at the end of the day, their name's the biggest, but I will try to explain sometimes that maybe you've heard your demos too much like this, or even just the thing of look at the big picture of that. You, your demo is a little flat or you're not seeing that, this chorus opens up or you've never played this song with a bass and you don't right, understand that. Right. Watch this. And then we get somebody on bass and you're right. like, Oh, that makes sense. And yeah. I, yeah. It's hard for a lot of people, I guess, to see the, the potential of what could be rather than like what is, you know, like what they already have and what they're stuck with. They think that's the, the end all be all. That's the best it can be. But there's, if you, if you open up, there's like so much more room and again, like even with the drum parts, like you can take stuff back, you can scale stuff back to what it was, but once it's done, you can't really expand on anything. Agreed. So, because you do studio drumming, there's uh, what do you do if you get a genre that's not necessarily in my pocket? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I would never call Great Big Pile Leaves a scene band, but right, like right. you know. If we want to talk about, you know, whatever this is, like, it's not indie punk, emo, whatever, <laughs> whatever adjectives we're throwing these days, right. soft grunge, mumblecore, you know, whatever one's cool these days. What do you do to prepare? Because, like, you know, it's funny, it's like. It's so rare that any band's like, well, we're really influenced by the drumming of Stuart Copeland and Elton James, <laughs> and you know, like, right, 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 right. So, 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 what do you do to bring the depth to that band if it's not really your bag of tricks? Um, I don't know. That's interesting. I try. We've done a couple. Yeah, we, we we've done some record. I mean, we just did a hip hop record right, the other week. Right. It's not like you and I are. Um, well, you actually, you do have a hat on right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll put it back. <laughs> You've been working out a little lately. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not... Uh, it's it's never been, like, a huge focus for me. Uh, I mean, I've listened to, like, some hip-hop. Like, I was always a huge fan of, like, BC Boys and Jurassic 5. Mm-hmm. Not that it's, like... I yeah. don't have much hip-hop credential with those two, but... um. Uh, yeah, I guess it's always... It's always been something where I kind of want to, anything I do, I kind of want to have my personal stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I try to be a chameleon as well and, you know, go go where needed with the part. Uh, but I, I try to 
contain as much as I guess my sound or whatever my sound would be uh, with everything I do. So it's it's really like mixing the two. So if I get a demo, like when I got the demo for the hip hop stuff, even some of the choruses felt like a little weasery to me. So I like I normally wouldn't do that with my own thing, but I kind of felt that way when I heard it, and I obviously have listened to Weezer a lot, so I can kind of I can get get in that mode when that part comes up, and when the verses are up, like go a little more like straight hip hop or something with it. Um, and then we've done like a few harder records. Yeah, where like I I don't really listen to that much harder music, but like the old band was a little harder. And like yeah, you I, I'm kind of used to that too. style. Yeah, exactly. So that that style for me actually comes very like naturally, and then like the stuff we do with the leaves is a really natural thing for me. But yeah, there's definitely been stuff where I've had to like step out of my comfort zone, do, just do a as, little research. even as a listener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the things I think is also interesting as a studio drummer is um, studio drummers, unlike other people because like there's really not a lot of studio guitarists not a lot of studio but but, like for some reason every drummer feels entitled to be a studio drummer (laughs) one of the things that really i also loved about like the first time um because the first time we worked together was kind of funny is you had kind of had the drums life sucked up because the producer before had beat detective to your drums right um so i had no idea if you could play to a click or not right but um (laughs) I had known that other friends' bands had watched you play and called me up and like been like, dude, that dude's ill as fuck. <laughs> so that gave me some trust. And you said you were doing sessions. Yeah. And that should then, be my tagline. Yo, that dude's ill as fuck. And all the... All the uh, yeah. Just get it on your w- website. We'll yeah. wicka, wicka, wicka. And then, I'll, I'll have it in my contract from now on, so I'm credited <laughs> on records as, the, as <laughs> yeah. being the liner notes. Um, but so one of the things that I think that is very interesting is, is you're also expected... So I guess maybe to give people a perspective. When... A band usually comes to me, their drummer comes in, and then what probably will happen if they're mediocre is then we edit their drums for somewhere between 30 to an hour, minutes to an hour and a half. But if a studio drummer comes in, they're expected, one, to perform on a level where then they first have never really heard the song that much, haven't rehearsed with the band, come in, but then also there should be no editing. They should, <laughs> like they have to be so tight to the click and it's just like, you know, musicians are so mad. Like if they see that you're spending 15 minutes editing this person, you're like, are you fucking kidding me? But the funny thing is, is with you is that it's like actually one of those releases. Like when somebody's like, Hey, we need a studio drummer. I'm like, Oh cool. And then this will save us a few hours in the record because we're not going to have to edit tires. So, that's a weird expectation, but there's not really much to comment on that. But what I, I do think is interesting is no one I ever see talks about how you develop that micro timing yeah. to not need editing. Did you do anything consciously to get there? Uh, I did. I, I, I think there's a natural talent that goes with it for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I know. I said some people just don't yeah. hear it. That's I, called being white, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of great drummers. <laughs> Two white guys sitting in Williamsburg. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I know. I know a few drummers that are like 
you know, they, they have awesome chops, but their pocket is not the greatest. And I think, I think for a lot of people, it's just like this. I know a lot of drummers that don't have great chops, but their timing is just like impeccable, you know, like mm-hmm. they can line up with a click like nothing. Uh, so I think, I think there's a lot of natural talent that plays into that. Um, for me, I remember the first time I was ever going to the studio, I'd never played to a click track before. Hmm. So I would get in my car. This was like before I could like download a click track really. Oh yeah, I mean, that was the other thing I think that's a, a remarkable change in technology to interrupt. And I don't yeah. think that it's actually important for people to understand this about where you come from. Is that right now playing to a click track to kids seems basic, but like back when you particular were coming up was like this era where punk almost shunned it and that like when you would tell bands like I would literally tell bands three months in advance of recording like you're gonna have to play to a click track it'd be a fight yeah yeah yeah. like literally I will not do that (laughs) yeah like no way fuck you and it was just this total resistance whereas now this is like the most basic skill but the other thing is it a metronome that was loud enough to hear over your guitarist's amps yeah. was really hard to come by. Like, this used to be some Jedi mind trick <laughs> hacking shit. Like, there was not those isolation headphones. Yeah. Like, you had to order those from a dark alcove on the internet <laughs> that was probably selling, like, banana peels to get high off of as well. And, like, weird stuff. So, doing something weird to do this was, like, yeah. I know this right now might sound stupid as hell to people, yeah. but... <laughs> now go on now that I make it so, so that you sound sane that you did this <laughs> I so yeah I was we we'd planned to re- record a click track I really wanted to do it um it is it I think at that time it was to save time really like mm-hmm. less editing and like we wouldn't have to worry about it so much um so I I didn't really like want to go out and buy a metronome from like a music store or anything I didn't really know much about metronomes even at that point so I literally got in my car and I would turn the blinker on. Oh my god! <laughs> and so like I would, this wasn't this wasn't like me practicing to the uh, the BPMs of like any of the songs that we had planned. You know what I mean? This was this was like I right now I have the option of listening to the blinker in my car. So wow. So whether I was actually driving or like just sitting in my my uh, parents' driveway, I would turn the blinker on and I would just like drum along to that. And that's how I learned how to play to a click track. <laughs> wow, that's something. <laughs> so that obviously though didn't get you to the level that you're at today. What got some help with some of the micro timing? Uh, so with micro timing, like what I'm basically trying to say to people is, there's a very there's like one this level where you can't play to a click track, like you're basically inept, and then. Which is very rare these days compared to 10 years ago. That was right. 60% of drummers used to, to fire drummers constantly because they couldn't do it. And then now there's just this thing that, yes, the drummer can play to a click track, but then they're going to need a lot of editing. And they're pretty far off, but it's workable. As the saying goes, we have Pro Tools. That was terrible. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Come on in. It's it's a it's a sad reality. But yeah, it's yeah. it's the truth. That's how a lot of people make records. I don't really like to make records like that. Um, right. I am occasionally forced because of budget and time. But right, like I, mean, I said, is that when I do a record with you, even though you don't know the songs, you're gonna not need much editing. Yeah. So so then, what did you do to get there? Um, I well, I think another thing that helped, but also I didn't really think about this before, but um, the way I learned how to play on a drum set because I like I played drums through like I did percussion throughout school 
Um, so I didn't start playing the kit until jazz band in like eighth grade. But the way I like learned how to like, oh, I can use my foot now, and you know, like everything slowly builds up. But I would put headphones in and listen to songs, like my favorite songs. I yeah. play along the songs, which is I guess almost in a way playing to a click track. Because those songs were most likely recorded on a metronome, and I'm trying to match up as closely as I can to these songs. And I would literally, like, I'd be in my room playing drums for, like, four or five hours a day, like, after school, every day. And um, so I think that, and then I'm, I think just the way I am as a person, like, my personality has always been very, like, mathematical. Mm-hmm. And I think about my drum parts even that way. So I think, I think when I'm playing, just, like, one of the best feelings is matching up to a click when you're playing in the cool. studio. So, like, even if I'm kind of doing that in my head without even listening to a click track or anything, like, I, I get in my head a lot when we play, and I try to go off feel a lot, too, but, you know, I really, I really but try. you don't it. play to a metronome live with me. No, no. I want to start maybe someday. But really? Yeah, I don't know. I think it depends. Mm-hmm. It, I've, I'm so torn on this. With I've bands. seen I've seen half and half. I've seen drummers where they have ears they have ears in, and I'm like I don't even assume they're playing. No the last part. time I saw you guys play, it just felt so much better than some of the other bands. I'm kind of like, why would you don't change? <laughs> like, and I'm very much like always pushing bands like get better, change, challenge yourselves. So I'm like, last time I saw you guys, like the groove was so good. I was like, That's damn, awesome. like just 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 keep doing what you're doing and get better at it. All right, you're already winning. Yeah, no, I, like, uh, the drummer from Motion City Soundtrack, Tony Thaxon, he, he, Great drummer. he was a drummer that played to a click, and I had no idea, like, I couldn't tell, because every other drummer that I knew before that, that played to a click, I could see how robotic they were, and you could yeah, feel some it, the songs really were a little slow, them. yeah, yeah, it's just like, everything was so intentionally on beat, and like, almost too perfect, you know? I think that's this is some of the thing is that some a lot of people go through stages with the click track where they get too stiff. Yeah. And then they learn to loosen up and then other people it's just like it becomes like this video game work where they're trying to like jump from yeah. pad to pad. <laughs> and it's like it's that's like not what it's about. It's, it's like the click's just this guide for exactly. you to like yeah. bring an emotion to Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, like, it's yeah, I mean that's as a drummer it's like you can't get as much emotion across, really. I mean, you can. You can be, no, you can I, be dynamic. I, 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 think, I, think, I think there's a lot of But it. I think, yeah, having the groove in the pocket is the the emotional part of the drum. So, like, to kill that just kills everything. Like, just, yeah. have, just have a drum machine if it's going to be locked in so tight. Well, I think it's like, it's you know, it's like a really funny thing of, like, um, you see a band like Vampire Weekend... And they basically, like, don't have that guy play drums on those records because, like, it's, like, drum machines, especially, like, the second record. Right. And then you watch him play, and he, I feel like he destroys the song's dynamics, like, because he's so awful. Because, <laughs> like, he... I thought you were going the other way with that. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, he's the opposite of everything of that. Like, he's so sloppy and uncontrolled and those songs are so, you know, like, especially that Contra record yeah. is so controlled. And, like, he's just, like, you're, like, what's going on here, white boy? And, like... Throwing in a lot of white boys. Yeah, I, get, I, I, get, I, 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 I probably should find and stop, <laughs> stop being that, that guy that pretended he has all the soul. But, you know, at the same time, there's not a lot of other things. You, you know, like, 
I always defend it by, like, my ex and I, like, one day, like, we went to, like, her friend's wedding, and it was like everybody was clapping along, and we were the only <laughs> there. And then we later went to, like, a white boy thing, and everybody was clapping out. It was like, you know, a big indie rock thing. And she's like, alright, I used to hate that you said that. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the thing. It's that the is, truth sometimes. And I know yeah, it's, it's wrong funny. to say, but it's the truth. It's, okay, it's but most apparent at weddings. There's, yes. the, there's this thing, though. Yeah. That, like, you get that drummer who's just, like, they've learned to now do the metronomic thing, but it's missing almost, like, like sometimes I think it's even some of the velocity stuff, is that, like, yeah. that the quarter notes hit harder than the uh, than the eighth note, and just, like, there's some of those nuances that really get lost in that feel when people get too far into that click. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know... <laughs> why I just went down this rabbit hole but it is a funny thing of like I don't know that that to me can really kill things and yeah. I know when I go to shows sometimes with like my friends who are not as much musicians and producers that when I'm like getting bummed out in a band they're like what are you fucking talking about yeah, yeah. So no, no, I, really but I also know that I can I can diagnose what could be better and I can hear what is the little thing whereas they're like oh something's off right I mean, it's been your job to do that for... Yeah, but... Uh, so, even aside, though, for me doing that... Yeah. Is there anything you've found in along your process that, like, you guys consciously interject to get that? Uh... Like, I... Like... Like, did you ever experiment with doing the quick live? No, we haven't. I mean, I think a lot of it is just... I, I, it's like any band really. Well, you don't play the backing like, track, so that's no, no, already yeah. out the door. Right. I mean, I guess for us, it's just that like perfect culmination of the four of us playing together, you know. And like we like we have off nights, but mm. I don't know if anyone else can tell. Like we can tell. I'll yeah. watch. I'll I watch every video that's posted of us. Oh, there'll, wow. there'll be shows where I'm like, it. I was in my head the entire time, and I was like, that was fucking terrible. Like I played terribly. And then I'll watch a video, and I'm like, I can't even tell. Like, I can't even look at myself playing and see how upset I felt in that moment. Huh. So, again, like, a lot of that, like, plays in your head. But, um, yeah, I think as far as our band, like, we've never... There's been shows where, like, some of the guys will be like, hey, this song felt a little fast tonight. So, like, I'll be, th- yeah. I'll be thinking about that the next show. That's like, part of being part a band, a little yeah. slow. Like, yeah, yeah. So, making those little changes. But there's never... You know, we've we've just always been the band... I feel like we probably play everything a little faster live than we do on the yeah, recording. I think you're supposed to. You know, you know what the big thing is? is Bands who don't do that, I feel like everybody complains about. Yeah, yeah. It just Converge used to be one of those bands that used to, like, that That was the, like, complaint box every time. It's like, every song is, you know, ten, some, some 10 beats per minute too slow. Right, right. And people are like, you know, it just doesn't feel intense. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the other dangers of playing with the click is a lot of times people call me up they're like what was the click of that song I'm like you should feel it do out do not yeah. <laughs> feel it out don't do this you yeah. should play it faster that's what I would want to do I would want to I would want to do a rehearsal like record a rehearsal the way we play it live and then find the BPM based off that well I do that for records with bands is that like if I get to do pre-production I have them play without the click and then I find when it grooves and then I go into Pro Tools I measure that out and then I try that for the click track for yeah. when we 
find that good groove. Yeah, it's gonna be totally different. And I mean, a lot of people will pick a BPM for a demo before they even write the song. Like they're writing to that rather yeah. than choosing the the speed of the song based on the song itself. That's a weird thing too, but that, that I guess that is part of process, and you figure that. So, so with that process, I want to get into that. You guys are making a new record. Um, yeah. I guess because I've heard you guys in the beginning, I, I've seen a lot of growth. But so, in you, is there anything that you guys go into each release? Like, do you guys have any conscious growth of saying like, "Hey, we want to get a little bit more like this on the next record"? Does it just kind of come out? Like, what goes on? Is there anything going on with this new record that you're kind of going for? Yeah, I think the last record, uh, the only like conscious effort was to kind of. You know, pull everything back a little bit, be a little more concise with our parts, and make it uh, like don't go off on these tangents that aren't necessary. Like really, you guys, down it, the songs. I think concise is a great word for yeah, what yeah. you guys got on this last record. Yeah, and I think on this mission one, accomplished. <laughs> <thanks>. <laughs> I think on this one we kind of want to stay in that same world, but uh, Pete, Pete and I talked about it, and like even just individually, like he and I want to both get a little weirder, like with our parts. And like, not not so much branch out on the songs and make the songs run on longer, but with our parts in those songs, you know what I mean? Like, so there's a lot of in, flavors of weird. Is there anything right, in right. particular you're thinking of? Uh, no, it's just I mean I think it's more of a general idea for myself. Like I want to push myself harder, and that doesn't necessarily mean like crazy rhythms everywhere and like the longest fills that don't belong anywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. But like when I do choose to have a fill somewhere, I want it to be maybe not what would be my go-to normally or like try to get weirder or try to like you know something I wouldn't normally do or try to learn something new or figure something new out for myself so where are you going to for inspiration now you listening to anything you try you going anywhere particular uh not really I mean I think I think just I've I've been trying to listen to more music this year uh like the past the past couple of years it's been like friends bands and then like between writing and like See, having that's, so that's much time th- between recording and mastering and mixing, I've been listening to my own music. Hmm. So, so that I, that's I think one of the tough things too is so. It's another getting older thing. Like you stop listening to new music. I go back and listen to stuff I listened to in the '90s all the time, and like that's what I did for well, years. I th- you know what I think is one of the the, the the really toxic things to bands is bands get in these habits of all you then start to listen to the bands you tour with yeah and as you like you know it was like a really I had this like just the other day is like I ran into like a buddy who's kind of like in the you know our little scene they're like what are you listening to I'm like the same stuff everybody's listening to right I've listened to that beach slag record all the stuff that's on tidy engines I've listened yeah. to that pup record like yeah, yeah. the same thing everybody's fucking listening right, to right. and I'm like man that's so toxic yeah yeah Luckily, luckily, I have a few friends that have like extensive taste in music, and so like I've been listening to music with them a lot when we hang out, and um, just you know, just diving into worlds I would norm- normally not dive into on my own, like whether I like it or not. Like yeah. I, I like most of the stuff they're listening to, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose to go listen to it if it wasn't for them because either because I don't listen to music sometimes, like sometimes I just go home and like you know. It's not it. It's less of a casual thing as it was when I was younger for me. So now I'm trying to get back into that mode and like. So less I'm of a casual thing. So you, 
I mean, I think this is something that happens. Yeah, we get older, but you yeah. listen to less music, and right. Um, so you're having to consciously go in and say, "I'm going to listen. I'm going to try to find things that are inspiring to you." Yeah, and I think that was I think that was pushed a lot naturally as where like, you know, I'm like I've been hearing more music and I've been interested in things that I'm hearing that I wouldn't have been hearing had I been you know put to my own devices. I wouldn't have gone and checked that stuff out. So now, now like hearing that stuff and realizing like, hey, there's actually still music out there that I would appreciate that I'm not listening to, kind of sparked something where I've I've been like making an effort to go find new music and listen to new bands and you know I'll see a band's name like over the past years like I've seen so many names a thousand times and I never listen to them yeah and yeah. now like now I'll go listen to it like I'll I'll check out the song that's put up on whatever website and um so yeah i'm trying to make that effort and it's one of those things where like i don't i don't want to ever feel uninspired or i don't want people to listen to stuff i play and feel like i'm on uninspired yeah and i think a big part of that is is not being (laughs) like not being my only inspiration not that i'm saying i am my inspiration but like when when you when you don't have that other stuff to listen to and you don't grow by hearing new things, you know what I mean. You kind of you fall into your own little world and you start your bag of tricks doesn't grow. I guess is what. Yeah, I'm saying. It, it's it's tough because then there's also the thing of that. Then it's just like if you're listening to a, tons of stuff, then you just become a rip off of everything everybody's doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. And like you know, eventually you have enough depth that and tricks that you can pull through that people can't tell. Right, that, right. You know, you're Travis Barker and the dude from Fallout Boy are your only influences, <laughs> and like when you're 16. Yeah. But like, I do think it's really interesting. Just a side note, that wasn't about me because the no. drummer Fallout Boy is not. <laughs> yeah, not not one of your influences. Yeah, I didn't mean to infer. Um, but like. That's the common thing. Right, right. Like, no, you know, like 16-year-old kid, <laughs> and he has two influences. And yeah, he's going to sound just like them. Yeah. And, yeah. like, but, like, I think that's the, that's the interesting thing is is that, but, like, some of what I was going to get into is I think then there also becomes this thing of that then the only things some of the bands start to be influenced by is the bands they tour with. Right. I think that that's like I see that ruin well, a lot of bands. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's why like, you get these little scenes that build up into this thing where it's like you can't tell who is who. Yeah, and you know, every band it becomes very incestuous in the sound where it's like these bands all sound the same. And I think it's a lot of that. Thing. Yeah, and I, you know, like I always knew it existed, but and I don't know if it's that I'm better at spotting it or I'm, but like. I'm like ready to like form the foundation against tour listening to the bands you tour with in the band. Like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna like pop out of the stereo like no. Yeah, yeah. You're on tour with Bayside. You cannot listen to their latest release for the next 120 days. Don't even watch any of the bands live. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is interesting because you do need to go to that school. But man, there's like yeah. you've got to get something else in your diet. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. outside that box, or yeah. you're just gonna suffer. I think so bad. I think we've been really lucky with that in the fact that you guys have been toured with some weird bands, right? Like, right. Like, like we'll, we'll go out with Appleseed cast for a month, and then we'll go out with Hell Goodbye for a month. And didn't you do like uh, Boris Yeltsin or something? Yeah, yeah. Boris Yeltsin, Me Without You. Like we yeah. go, we we've been lucky enough that we go out with bands that are in different worlds. 
than than our own world but yeah. even from each other. But you guys, like, yeah, the, it is funny. You guys have managed to step in a lot of different worlds. Because I think it's harder to categorize you guys, too. So right. it's... You Which can, has been like it's been a awesome, lot luckier though. Yeah, you're a lot luckier than a pop punk band. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's good that we don't get trapped in a certain world, but I also think it's I think it slows your growth a little bit not to be totally accepted in the one, you know what I mean? Because there's like like you said, there's those bands that all tour together and like they grow those fan bases based on like those fans love all of those bands, you know. Yeah, and those bands tend to like grow a little faster. As ours has been like a gradual. I mean, I like where we're at. Yeah, but it's been a gradual thing because we've been dipping our feet into different territories, and then we kind of pull all that back into our own thing, which is good, I guess. Like, yeah. if we can create our own little pocket of different different kids from different areas, and that's not a bad thing. So, so that was like one of the the things, and you kind of just touched on it too. Is that like I thought it was a very interesting thing. So, um. My other podcast last night, we were talking about it. Zach and I were talking about, you know, the, 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 as I called it, like the satanic mechanical work of like the manager booking agent. You guys, you know, you guys are on the agency group, which yeah. is arguably one of the three biggest booking agents in the world. Yeah. And, uh, what do you call it? There's all this pressure for bands these days, and it just gets worse and worse as money gets weird in the music business. And it's like, Tour 10 months a year, yeah. and then here's your two months to fucking be creative. You better be <laughs> fucking good. I don't care if your fucking grandmother died, you yeah. fucking aren't feeling it like writing. You need this to is your fucking time to write, and this is your time to record because it fits between the cool tours I got you. Right, right. But you guys kind of haven't been that. No, right? we've we've been lucky. Our, our booking agent... So thinks, has it been luck? Has it been accident? I, th- like, I think it's been luck with who we've worked with. So it's been like... Oh, the way Galia thinks our booking agent is very like everything's everything's on purpose, and uh, I mean yeah, I'm she's sure, a, he's very reputable yeah. as being a great booking I'm, agent. I'm sure there's things he would have liked to get us on that we didn't get on, and uh, that happens all the time. But um, as far as the way he thinks, it's less is more. Like don't don't go out and kill yourselves. You're not really gonna build your own fan base. Like I think I think he's more about cultivating. Yeah, watch her back. Oh, cultivating. <laughs> I think he's more interested in like us cultivating our own fan base rather than just going out as much as possible and like playing in front of tons of people, you know. But there's also the thought that the more people you play in front of, the more fans you get. Yeah. But and it um, seems like you guys have gotten a really great growth off this record. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, this by, is, like by far grew yeah. many, many times over... One of the most important things I think from the last record was like it was our first real press campaign. Like hmm. we had never really like hired a publicist before. This. Oh wow! And so to to and me, now you're getting rid of on porch pitchfork and yeah. cited as a band that's like <laughs> part of a sound. The revival, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's I th- I think that's been helpful. Uh, but yeah, like our booking agent, I think has a really good plan. Uh, we met with our lawyer a couple of weeks ago, and like we were talking about the record, and he was just like, he's like, you're gonna write the record when you write it. He's like, let like let yourselves be creative. He wasn't like saying no, you guys need to put out a record now. He's like, we're gonna do all these things, and then once you guys have a record lined up, like all these things are gonna be in place for that record, which was like 
What, what, a, like, what, what, a, awesome. what a great, great human being. Yeah. And this guy used to like write for Rolling Stone and he, oh, like, wow. he's the lawyer for like band of horses and like he's, he's doing his thing. So for him to say that, it yeah, kind of awesome. it's just so rare. Like, you know, like just watching the fucking gruel that some yeah. of these bands are going through. Like, yeah. you know, I'm just like, and you know, I have to like tell the bands that they're like, when do I, where, when are we supposed to work? It's like, they're coming to me. Yeah. Like for the creative advice, and I'm like, you're gonna have to write in the fucking green room in the tour van. That's right, the only way it's right. gonna work out. Like, right. I'm sorry. Like, I know your friends aren't gonna always do it, and they're gonna be, you know, partying with the chicks and stuff. But you're gonna have to do this if you want to get through uh, this creative blast. So it's great that you guys have that because that's not the common thing. Yeah. No. It's so because good. of that, also we should say. You take on studio drumming jobs. You work a job. Right, right. Other guys in the band, I imagine, are working jobs, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all have to fill in the space. Uh, which is, like, it's one of those things where, you know, it can be aggravating. Like, you're mm-hmm. working you're working a job instead of going on tour, and you see your friends go out. Uh, but L- it's, living you know, the, the, in now what was deemed as of yesterday the most expensive area in America. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, it's, I mean, it's one of those things where... It's it's hard not to compare yourself to others around you, like your peers. But no, you're I, supposed to. You have to. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't even be hard. We need to do it. It just needs to be healthy. Right, right. So I think I think it's good to kind of like see we're on our own path and not really compare that to other people. And then like the same thing with like we don't really have all this pressure from our label or anyone to do anything because they want us to put out the best product that we can. And. Um, so you know, for better or worse, it's like we have to apply the pressure to ourselves. And it's like that's whether, an interesting whether we thing. do that or not. Like we should do it. And so, so you t- said something, and uh, we'll probably end on this. Yeah. But uh, so you talked about your path, and I think that's what's really interesting is you guys. I, a lot of people probably don't know this that you guys were very early on. Like we now also take for granted, just like with metronomes, yeah. that bands use free music. You guys were very much one of the first bands in this scene yeah. that embraced free music early on and really got a fan base built off just people loving your band. Not that you did X, Y, and Z. Is just really you didn't put up a big barrier and people talked about and spread the word about your great music. Yeah, yeah. Um. You've been on this path. You kind of been doing your own thing. You don't really sound like any cookie cutter. You know, it's very even hard for me. I just I opted out today. I am the music critic nerd of describing your sound because I'm like I'm not even up for this. <laughs> and I love that about you. It's one of the things I like about your music. But um, have you guys ever veered off that track and felt like you started imitating something and then had to pull back? Uh, like trying to be a band that we're not, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think it happens all the time. I mean, I, yeah, it's like, like I was saying, like comparing yourselves to other bands and it's like at the end of the day, you can try to do things, but I think the outcome of the band is going to be what the outcome of the band is, you know, like we could get huge. We could not, we can just go on, continue growing the way we are. So you're just being yourselves and yeah, it you works out, live, it works out. You just got to live in it and enjoy it, I guess. Um, but I think that's lost a lot of people. And, you know, it's one of the things I wrote about in this new book is that, like, you, if you try to make the music for anybody else, it never yeah. works. Yeah. It's just a great thing if right. the music you like, the rest of the world likes. Yeah. And even, like, going out and enjoying yourself on tour. 
Yeah. Like this is what this is what I've wanted to do since I was like sixteen. So the fact that I can go do it now, I'm like, I'm. So yeah, you had a lot of years of just you guys didn't you guys didn't tour while a lot of this internet thing kind of happened for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Like, you guys weren't even a live band. For that a was lot a of big time. reason why we did the internet yep. thing. It's because we were like we have these songs, we have Pro Tools. Like the way the songs how many, we how wrote many years be just were, the two of us. Were you guys not really a live band? Uh, three years. So we put the first EP out. We wrote the first like chunk of music in two thousand seven in the summer, and we put it out uh, winter two thousand seven. And I think we played our first show as maybe a three piece in like mid two thousand nine. But that was it. We played like two or three shows. As yeah, I remember like because I, I, I can remember a little bit like oh I have to come out and then I'm like oh they'll be playing yeah. again in like two weeks. Like they're starting to play live now. They're right. gonna be playing all the time. It's yeah. gonna get annoying. <laughs> didn't do it yeah um but yeah it's one of those things like we were writing music with two guitars vocals bass and drums and we knew we couldn't replicate that without using backing tracks and we weren't interested in that um so we were just like the way we can get this music out is put it out for free like we're not there's no overhead for us we already had all the recording equipment and we're not spending money on a van and going out and touring uh so we just wanted to get as many people as possible to hear it and then we played those few shows, and then we started, right after that, we started writing, like, we were working on the next record, so we stopped playing shows. And then we didn't do anything until end of 2010s when we did our first tour. So wow. It's been, like, four years of touring at this point. And, uh, no, yeah, it's been a oh, lot so of So, like, fun. half your existence... Yeah. Was been, not... <laughs> yeah, was not touring and was yeah. kind of getting buzz right. just through your recorded work, which right. is... Very contradictory to the path where we hear that you have to tour your ass off, you'll get a booking agent after this, this, and that, and right. da 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 da, right. and you have to do it this way. And if you don't kill yourself and play to 14 people every night for two years, then you're never going to make it, and da 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 da. Kill, yeah. your, kill yourself, wear yourself down, destroy your hopes and spirits, and then you'll never. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're going to hate what you're doing. <laughs> and then hate your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and your whole family and any significant other you had along the way will hate you as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, that's, yeah, that's the thing. I, I feel like there's a lot of people that feel like they need to be on tour all the time. Like, But it's one of those things where Glee expressed this to me early on where that that's the downfall of most musicians is you've, you want to be on tour for the sake of being on tour, to feel like you're doing something. Whether or not oh, it's yeah. actually doing anything oh, for yeah. you or your band, he's like, that's the that's the worst seeing it into and i was i was definitely there and like that was my mind space for a long time but it's uh, also like there's something to it that it is a good headspace is that you want like somebody always said like a band that's too comfortable at home is a band that's going nowhere but like there's also the other side of it it's like well then just depleting all your funds to stay out on the road people is also just ridiculous yeah yeah no yeah we've been We've been lucky with our circumstances, I guess. Things, well, things it sounds like it so sounds far. like <laughs> luck, and then there's been a lot of smarts. Um, so, is there anybody in particular that stands out as who's been inspiring you lately? As a drummer or a musician or in general, yeah. So, Barryans and Vacationer, I think, have been my like. If I had to describe this year for me in music. Those have been the two most important, and I think I think the reason why I am so attached to both bands is because their s- sense of rhythm. 
is Vacation amazing. Vacation record has some really yeah. interesting rhythms. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I, I will admittedly can't listen to it much, but yeah. whenever I hear it, I'm like, I'll give them this. It's really well thought out, <laughs> right, but right. I don't really want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The For me, like, both those records, uh, just the rhythm section is so tight. And the songs, the songs themselves, I feel like, are so driven by the rhythms. Yeah. And that, that doesn't happen with a lot of bands. And, like, even with our band, like, it is sometimes, but these two bands, it's in a totally different way. I have to check out that Bare Hands record. I'm going gonna, I'm yeah. gonna to do that on my way into work tomorrow. Yeah, love that, man. So, I'm going to plug your stuff now. Great Big Pile of Leaves. You can find out more about them at agreatbigpileofleaves.com, which is really simple. It's also it's very rare that a band has a good website. These guys have a great website where you can actually find out things about them. And, like, <laughs> it's clean. It's easy to get around. Uh, and as well, Tyler has a site for his studio drumming, which is Tyler Jordan Soucy, S-O-U-C-Y dot com, um, where you can hear a bunch of your drumming and contact you if you want your awesome drumming on uh, record. And you can hear a lot of fun things that you've done over the years. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing this, dude. Thanks for having me, bud. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Off The Record. If you enjoy the show, the best way to say thank you is to share this episode on social media, whether it's your Twitter, your Facebook, your Tumblr, your whatever, and just tell your friends. We just want the word to spread. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, it's at OffTheRecordFM. You can get show notes, explore old episodes at OffTheRecord.FM. If you think we should be talking about something, please let us know with the hashtag TellOTR on Twitter, or ask us via Tumblr at OffTheRecord.FM. This episode was produced by Jesse Cannon and Ashley Aaron. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week.